Hello, and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive of Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. During today's episode, we're focusing on healthy ways to express yourself. Joining me for this discussion are a few of Work To Be Well's National Student Advisory Council members with love languages that span all five categories. And if you aren't familiar with the love languages, by the time this episode's over, you're gonna know them and wanna go find out for yourself. Let's get started by having each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, and, and why is this topic important to you? Who wants to kick us off? I can kick us off. Hi, I'm Alex Oppenheim. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. And this topic's important to me mainly because it's something that is an everyday part of life and being able to express yourself in the right ways can make or break relationships with friends, significant others, and in the workplace. So being able to know how to handle expressing yourself is one of the most important things. I can go next. Um, I'm Alex Smith. I'm I'm in Washington Washington, and this topic's important to me because in my like family we all have different love languages and it can sometimes not end well um when trying to express it to each other if someone well doesn't have the same love language as you and they can be a little overwhelmed and i just like making sure that everyone feels respected i'm alex smith i'm in washington as well i think the love languages are really important just so uh because it helps me better understand myself and how i can relate to others in terms of giving and receiving affection it's a nice way to um categorize how we care for each other so how do you define healthy self-expression? What does that mean? I think it's really just about being able to express yourself in a way that's good for yourself and the person you're expressing to. Because sometimes when you want to express your feelings, like you get caught up in your thoughts and you're really not getting out what you want to say. And then it becomes just really a jumble of different thoughts and ideas that may not be what you want to come across as. So I think it's really just about being able to figure out how to express yourself. Yeah, definitely taking into consideration the other person's feelings is important. All of that was how I mentioned my family earlier. So one of my love languages is like acts of service, like that's my main one. But my mom's, for example, is physical touch. And that is definitely not even in my top three. I'm just not a touchy person. And so when she wants to show love to me, she'll try and like hug me or something. But I just do not like that. And so sometimes I have to be like mindful of how she wants to show love. And so instead of her like, like hugging me as how she wants to show love, cause that's how she feels it. She'll like do something for me. And that way I'm still like knowing that she cares for me in that way, but not exactly having to hug her. That's so nice that she's aware and accommodating of the differences in your love languages. You know, I love that example. And it reminds me, not all of our listeners may know what the five love languages are. Does somebody want to go over the five love languages? Yeah, I can. So, Oh, go ahead, Alex. Okay, so there are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. I think that's, they're all pretty self-explanatory. And I'm just going to throw my two personal ones are quality time and physical touch. And I have run into it where, like I'm big on physical touch. I love just like giving people hugs, stuff like that. And one of my best friends, like he does not like, he doesn't really like to be hugged. And it's one of the harder things. Cause like when I see him, I just want to give him a hug, like hug him, 
high goodbye, and it's having to adapt to his style of just the different way he shows his love is a little hard, but being able to take that step back and be able to realize what he likes has helped build our relationship even more just because he's not uncomfortable with the way we interact anymore. Like me and my mom until we had like learning more about each other's love language. One of my other love languages is receiving gifts. That's like my top two is acts of service and receiving gifts. But I think some people don't know about receiving gifts is that it's not just like you have to go out and buy like a fancy like nice thing to get to someone but it's just more the thought that i care about behind the gift like i love handwritten cards like i have a box in my closet full of handwritten cards throughout the years and it's just like it's more of the thought behind gifts but i have friends again that don't like if i were to get them a gift they feel uncomfortable about it and they don't know how to respond and um, sometimes it's just not what they enjoy. So like other things I'll do for me, like for some of my friends, one of her things is quality time. So I'll spend time with her and that's my way of like giving her a gift, if that makes sense. So again, just being mindful about how others will receive, like how you're showing love to them, making sure that you communicate with them and make sure that no one's uncomfortable. That's so nice. Um, I'd say bye to, I'm kind of, I kind of waver between different love languages, but right now I'd say they are uh, quality time and physical touch. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with anybody is just sitting for hours and talking about, or just having like, deep conversations with people. One of my favorite things, and physical touch is uh, nice with one close to. You know, I'm really into um, physical touch and acts of service. I like to cook. I cook scratch meals for my family all the time. And I also make pie. Uh, in fact, in my bio, I talk about practicing the art of pie because everybody loves pie. And when you make a pie for someone, there's a lot of effort that goes into making a pie because, you know, you got to make your own crust. Otherwise, you know, you have <laughs> words. But uh, what are the types of, you know, for those of us who are into acts of service, what are the acts of service you do? Like I mentioned this before the meeting, but um, like you said, like in the book, baking and cooking um, scenario for acts of service. I love to bake for my friends and cook for my family. So like when the days that I know my mom is unable to like cook dinner or my dad isn't able to cook dinner, I'll cook dinner. Like today I made some adobo and lumpia that I got to go fry after this. And I also made like, uh, I really like baking is my favorite way to show acts of service. And so I made like a Hershey's chocolate, like ice cream roll cake it like rolls up it's really good my family loves it and i unfortunately cannot eat these i'm allergic oh, to no. the things i listed above but that's how i think my family really knows that i care and that i'm doing this for them is because i'll make separate dinners for myself so i still eat with them but like just making someone breakfast or dinner or going out of your way with like chores like i have three brothers and just asking them if they like if they want some help with homework or their chores is a great way to show active service. And another form of like active service that comes to my mind is thoughtful gift giving. Cause my dad is one of the hardest people to buy gifts for. Like at times he talked about wanting like a smartwatch. We bought him one, he returned it. Oh, no. so he's one of the hardest people to get gifts for. But he would always mention about like wanting like a new coffee mug. And he was using the same one for years. And finally, I was like, okay, he's not going to just straight up ask for one. So I was like, okay, I have a good Christmas gift for him. So I bought him a Yeti, like, 
probably a forty dollar mug, and he's. I think I've seen him use it every day since I got of him for over a year. And usually, like getting him a gift would be so hard, but this one is like the perfect gift for him. And it's almost the same thing with my mom. Like it's my mom's hard to buy for, but then she loves flowers. It's like one of her favorite things, and she loves spending quality time. So it's like a great gift would be the Lego flower kits because we could build them together, get that quality time, and then she would have flowers that would last forever. Oh, that's amazing. I love those Lego flowers. That's That's been a cool thing. Oh, I, I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. So what other that's, gift, um, when we look at gift giving, because I know that's one of our uh, receiving gifts is one of the love languages. Who has that? You know, what kind of things do you like to receive? Or do people, you know, like you were talking about with your dad, what are the things people like to receive? I mentioned I earlier that I like receiving cards and stuff. Uh, for me, it's more about the meaning behind the gift and knowing that someone took time. Like, I really like handmade gifts and stuff. Just knowing someone took time out of their day to do something that they know I like. Like Alex was talking about, like, specifically knowing what the like the family member or someone would enjoy and just having that connection of knowing something. Like, this is a little embarrassing. But like years ago, I had like this like addiction to pineapple things. Like I'm talking like hundreds of pineapple themed things in my room. But like something one of my friends was like super sweet about. Like anytime she saw something pineapple, she bought it and would give it to me. And that just meant so much knowing that she knew something that I enjoyed and was thinking of me when getting the gift. That's super sweet. I also love handmade things. Um, I love handmade cards and the like. But something I also really like is books. Like when people pick a book for me because they thought it was a book that I would like. I think that's so sweet because it's like they're thinking about um, what kind of, I don't know, thinking about what I would like and trying to um, find something specific for me. I think that's so sweet. It's uh, Speaking of books, it's I got one of the best gifts from my mom on Christmas. So I had been reading Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album, and I talked about it a lot. And my mom got me another book that he wrote. And I would have never thought about getting that book for myself. But because I had talked about him so much, like I kind of almost not planted that seed, but he had realized that I enjoyed his writing style so much. So it's I, it's really that like the things that people talk about that they won't directly ask for sometimes the best gifts. That's amazing. I love that. You know, another one is quality time. When you think about quality time, what does that really mean? Spending time with someone uninterrupted or undistracted, like being fully present for someone else. And for me, it's not one of my like main love languages, but one way I like self-love with this language is spending time with myself doing like hobbies that I enjoy. I know my mom likes meditation, so she'll do that for like quality time with herself. And uh, one of my friends, she like goes out on adventures like every week. She takes a day to herself, usually like a Saturday or a Friday when she's not working. And she'll take herself on like a date type thing. Or I have other friends that will like do that too for like physical touch. Like a way they self-love for that is they do like um, skincare, spa days, massages, massages, and like other ways of self-love for themselves because you don't always have to be showing your love to someone else. You should also love yourself. I, I love that. Cause yeah, qual- like quality time. Like for me, it can even be as simple as like being in the same room as somebody. Like I, I think I've spent so much time with one of my friends where we are in the same room, just on our phones, but it's just being in the same vicinity together that counts. 
I love that. That's so true. No, I, I, I do. I love that. That's, that's awesome. So coming back to, to you all individually, what, when you look at your love language, what are the things that make you feel loved? You know, specifically when you think about, okay, this is what makes me feel loved. What are some examples that work for you specifically? A, a big thing for me is when somebody truly understands me and can talk about me. It's I've been I got a couple of letter of recommendations from my teachers and they made me feel so loved because they could talk about me as me more than just a student. They knew the true me and just knowing that they could understand that and they took the time to get to know me like that. Like it, I, I teared up in a couple reading them, even though they're so fluffed up and not supposed to be like that. But to me, they were just so touchy, so touching. I love that. I love that. I love it when people remember the things I tell them. Like if I tell them something offhandedly and then they remember it months later, I think that's so kind and like to know that, wow, you actually think about me. I like remember the stuff I say. Oh, Alex, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what like, uh, Alex was also talking about with uh, remembering what your dad said about the mug, knowing that he wouldn't just ask for a mug, but the fact that you remember that and got him that in the future, knowing he'd appreciate it was really sweet. Something else that's a, like, I've always feel so loved is when people take time to like, let me talk about like my interest with them. I shoot archery and I love telling people about it. And I know at times it's not their thing, but they will let me tell them about it. I always just love that because I love sharing my interests with other people. So them allowing me to do that, like it just makes me know that they care about me. My husband works in IT and part of our nightly ritual is while I'm making dinner, he tells me all about all the crazy IT things. It is boring as all get out, but you know what? That just being present and feeling heard and being part of that means a lot to him. So I know a lot about IT. <laughs> It's important to feel heard. It's important to feel, uh, you know, that someone's listening for you. Do you think there's a difference between platonic and romantic love languages? That's oh, an interesting definitely. question. I think there's 100% a difference because I have the platonic love between me and my friends. Like a hug between me and my friends is a platonic way, but compared that to a romantic, like a romantic hug is just like, it just sends off completely different vibes in a way. Like it's like, it's hard to explain, but you can just tell when there's that difference. I agree. I feel like the love languages and like the acts themselves are not that different, but the added layer of emotional or like the, the depth of emotional intimacy in a romantic relationship is different. So that makes the love languages, like the acts, the acts of the love languages feel different. And I think it's also the way like, it's all it's all about that emotional connection and that like underlying like what it really means because i like even like with giving a gift there's always those underlining tones to it even it could, even it could ugh, it could be the exact same gift but just the way it's presented or the way it's given has a completely different tone yeah exactly you know one of the things that i've wondered about and alex you gave a an example uh, near the start of the show of what do you do if somebody isn't receptive to your love language and, and what are the alternatives you have for somebody who's not receptive? I'm wondering what are some other examples of that you've run into when somebody 
just isn't into your love language and you kind of, you know, need to do something different. I think finding a way to adapt your love language to a way they feel comfortable with while also keeping in mind their love languages. Like when I was talking about my friend who doesn't like to hug, it's turned into like we have a handshake together now. And that's like the physical touch portion. But then it's almost it's almost like a um, quality time, which he really enjoys. Because we spent that time making that handshake. So every time, it's almost a reminder of that specific time. Yeah, I also think that um, remembering that sometimes things in moderation can be better than a lot of something. Like, for instance, I was talking to my best friend this morning. And I was being, I guess, I think she thinks I was being kind of annoying. Because I kept checking up on her and asking her how her day was. And, like, how... Um, how certain um, people in her life were doing and she got kind of mad because I uh, she felt like I was being overbearing and asking her so many times and for me that was my way of showing I cared about her but for her she just needed me to do that but not so much as I was doing it before so just keeping in mind that not everybody wants as much of something as you might want is um, helpful I think yeah, it's the intensity the the amount you give because right. yeah it's it's like that with everything because some people may enjoy getting a gift but if you spend a hundred bucks on them they will hate it because they don't want to receive that do not like receiving gifts but i love giving gifts so i'll like give them my quality time if that kind of makes sense um or things like that that were like i have to like you were saying moderate it a little bit alex like with your guys' handshake like just taking it back a little bit, not getting them like this crazy thing, you know, that's how I want to express it. Just trying to keep them in mind, of course. And like, I'll give them my quality time instead. I'll spend time, maybe we'll do a craft together or something. And then I'll let them keep the craft or something like that. Finding kind of like an in-between a compromise for both of us. So that way they still feel loved. And I feel like I'm able to give them love. Yeah, find that middle ground that works for everyone. No, I like that idea. I like that. And, you know, I, I also wonder about, there's some theories that say your love language stay fairly stable. Do you think they change and shift as you mature? Can you shift into a different love language? For that, um, for the Talk To Me Well that I was on last year, I talked a lot about, I at the time I loved words of affirmation. I had loved that love language for years. And then like over time, I've just, I've grown to like um, acts of service more and gifts more. Um, I don't know why it just happened. Like once I started receiving more like thoughtful gifts, I started to care more about that. Once people started doing more things for me that I started to feel more love gradually towards those areas. And like, of course I'm still going to love someone uh, like giving compliments to me and words of appreciation and like overall words of affirmation. But like, I just don't have that same like feeling towards it as like a gift or act of service it's i th- yeah i think they can change and shift over time because when i was younger i didn't really care much about receiving gifts but when i've gotten older i it's not about what i receive it's the thought behind it so like i really like receiving cards and like just like the thoughtful things and when i was younger like that wasn't a component for me but now that i'm a little bit older like it's something that i do really enjoy I would say it's in my top three of the love languages of receiving thoughtful gifts. So I think they can really shift with time. 
I agree. For me, it was uh, the thing that shifted was physical touch. I didn't like it when I was younger. I just didn't like the sensation of it. And I still don't really like that part of it. But um, just the acknowledgement that somebody likes me enough to give me a hug is nice. So I, I appreciate it. I have more of an appreciation for it now than I did a few years back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can remember, you know, there was a period of time when uh, my daughter went through a phase where she would not hug me to save her life. And now, <laughs> oh, no. She's all the huggy and all the lovey, and uh, maybe college does that to you. But um, it's really interesting that um, our love languages do shift as we as we change relationships too. Because sometimes, if you're in relationships with someone who is physical touch is really important for them, that can probably change some of your sensation around physical touch, and and that may change how it is that you approach that in the future. But um, it's interesting, I, I think, to think about it. You know, how did you learn about love languages? Where did you first get exposed to this? I learned about them from my mom. She's an elementary school counselor. So it was probably when I was in second or third grade, my mom, like, she had always talked about love languages. Like, she was like, oh, Alex, your love language is physical touch. And I didn't really know what that meant. But I think it was, like, second or third grade, she had me do the one of the tests. And that's like when I first really got exposed to like all the different forms of love languages. So I think from knowing about it since I was so young, I've grown up more conscious about it. But if I hadn't been exposed and known about them from such a young age, young age, I don't think I would have been, I don't think I would be as conscientious about them. It was like my mom too kind of introduced it to me. But I, I think it was like early sixth grade, so like middle school year. And I did not really care all that much. I was like, I just show love how I want. And then we had a class a few years later in my health class at school, actually. And we had like this whole like unit on love languages. And I started to like truly like understand love languages. Like we took like online tests and stuff, like just to learn more about it. We had to write a paper on what we like to show love and how we like to receive it and like getting that extra background of truly learning what love languages were was like really important and that's how I came to learn about them. And I think that understanding just grows with time and your experiences because even like going back to like shifting in love languages I think it really goes down to what you need in life because I think Dr. Robin with your daughter she went off to college she wasn't near you so she comes back and she's like, oh, I did really enjoy those hugs, even though in the moment I didn't realize I liked them. So I think it's really just how they shift is what you need currently That's in life. That's a good way of putting it. That's an excellent way of putting it. And that your needs change over time. I really like that idea. So what advice do you have for somebody who's looking to identify their love language? What, what advice do you have for them? There's also a couple of tests online. I think there's even yeah. an official love language test online. Oh yeah, we're going to take one of those tests to the uh, to this podcast. Yes. Yeah, the, the tests, but then also just taking a moment to look at the different ones, and just take a moment to look at yourself and realize what you enjoy, because before you know what they are, you may realize that you like certain things, but you can't equate them to one of the love languages because you don't know what they are. So just taking that time to know what the love languages are and then thinking about what you like. No, that's a really, really good point. 
self-reflection is a great place to start. I think even more than the tests, um, what helped me figure out what mine were, were just reading about them and seeing the reference, referenced in popular culture and looking at what other people's love languages were and then Googling more specifically how they could manifest in myself. And that helped me have a better understanding of how I can relate to them. And I think another good way of understanding your own love languages as well as others is looking at people around you because you may get a deeper understanding of your own sensation of like physical touch as a love language when you compare it to somebody else's who may say like, yeah, physical touch is in my, is one of my top two, but it might be drastically different than yours if it's your number one, just the different ways they manifest and the different ways you can express a certain love language. Well, I think, you know, when we think about love languages and how they work out in our relationships and change over time, it's a great way to think about how you express yourself and be conscious of how you get your needs met and how you meet needs for other people. We're getting ready to wrap up here. So I just wanted to give an opportunity to all of you. If you have any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners today. At the end of the day, the love languages are just a way of um, measuring these things. But um, even if your love language or the way you show love doesn't fit neatly into one of these categories, it's still valid. And I'm sure or I know everybody will be appreciative of your, of your love, regardless of how it looks. I agree with that. It's important to not just try and put yourself in one of the categories. Like, it's just a broad spectrum. But these are just ways to help people learn more about what they enjoy and how they feel loved that they're not absolute you can fit into one you can fit into all five you can fall somewhere in the middle it's totally okay well i want to thank you all for joining me today on talk to be well and learning more about how to express yourself in healthy ways and about the five love languages and where that might fit for you like i said we're going to post a link to the tests for these but you can google love language and you'll find it in two seconds so let Google be your friend and uh, go out there and find out what your love languages are. Now, please remember that you're never alone in a diagnosis. And if you are looking for support with your mental health, check us out at work to be well. That's work the number two, bewell.org. This is Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. Be well. <laughs>